is the Bayesian Conspiracy. We are three people from the Less Wrong community who like to chat about rationality and chat rationally about other things also. Hi, I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm Katrina Stanton. Welcome. And today, because we try to stay somewhat current on things and there has been an article making the rounds in the rationalist sphere, we are going to be talking about cryonics. Hooray! Yeah, there was an article on waitbutwhy.com that mm-hmm. was called... Why Cryonics Makes Sense. So this is a fun, rather long blog post, but it's it's worth the read, especially if you're anti-cryonics or think it's stupid or mm-hmm. ridiculous or whatever. Even if you're just vaguely interested in it. Well, especially if you're vaguely interested, but if, if, if you're... The point is that the author started from a position where they were against it. They were like, oh, that's just some stupid thing that rich people do, or that's, you know, science fiction mumbo jumbo, right? Uh, this is their, their journey from that perspective, kind of inch by inch retreating into, well, I guess this makes sense. So, Spoiler. well, it's Spoiler called, it's called alert. Why Chronics Makes Sense. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> anyway, we will have this article by Tim Urban available at our website, thebayesianconspiracy.com. I want to say real quickly why this article is awesome and why it made all the rounds, because cryonics, has, it's been in the rational sphere for quite a while, but it's generally pretty difficult to explain, and you have to pull through a lot of different sources and link people to a lot of things. And this article, while it is pretty damn long, is long because there's a lot to cover, and it explains it in very easy-to-understand language. It doesn't condescend to you, but it doesn't, like, hit you with crazy abstract things. It explains everything step-by-step. And it provides lots of links, and it, it was just published like a week or two ago, so it's very current right now, too. It's it's just an amazing article. It's everything you want, all in one place. Okay, but let's say that somebody doesn't have a few hours to sink into reading this. Oh, it doesn't. It only takes an hour to read, maybe? <laughs> How many... What's the word count? I don't know. How can I find out that? Uh, the way I usually do it is select everything and then paste it into either Word or Google Docs. I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. Okay. Um, it's about an hour to read, though. But we'll just we're just going to talk about cryonics. Yeah, so I don't have to based read. on this fun article. And uh, if you're if you're happy with what we say, then you don't have to read it. Congratulations! Or you could also go check out links at the Cryonics Institute. That's www.cryonics.org. I will say that if you listen to this and you're happy with our covering of it, great. Sign up. That'd be awesome. Listen to our co- if you listen to our episode and you're like, well, this still sounds stupid to me. I don't feel like they covered it. Check out this post. This this is what we would say if we had, I don't know how long it takes to say an hour's worth of text, but if we had three hours, we'd probably just read the whole thing. So Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. While we are not paid cryonic shills. No. Oh, you we... guys aren't? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we do all... You're all like pro cryonics. Is that right? Would that be our, our stance? Well, I'm already signed up. Steven signed up. I've been signed up for a few years. And Katrina? Is not yet signed up oh. because I like to live dangerously. Cryocrastinating. Uh-huh. That's a good idea. That's the best word for it. <laughs> Cryocrastinating. Awesome. When I was first looking into it some years ago, I was messaging Inyash about it because he was one of the few, few people I knew who were signed up and going over some of my concerns with him. And a couple of other people I knew who were, were signed up or thinking about it. And that still made it pretty easy to cryocrastinate. I like that word. That's my new word of the day. You're young. Because, You're not going to die anytime soon. Well, it's such a low probability of working out. Well, so, all right, let me, let me get to all those things in one second. <laughs> I mean, all that is true, but then there was the girl who got the brain cancer. And she was like, what, 26 or so? Right. And, and? she didn't have anything. Well, a bunch of people stepped up and you know we donated a bunch of money and we got her to you know the point where she could just pay for it outright Mm -hmm. but yeah that's not going to happen to everyone she happened to be kind of lucky in that i think this is the first person that happened to in our community and she was young and she was pretty which are all things that you know get people to donate oh man so if i get brain cancer it has to be soon yeah, well, I can't still... be a middle-aged woman with, exactly. with brain cancer. No one's going to donate to my GoFundMe. Exactly. You got to be like, at this point, I don't know if people will donate to me. <laughs> They're like, hmm, I don't know, mid-30s. <laughs> Just not worth it anymore. <laughs> and I suppose I'm not pretty enough. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all screwed. Is, is what, we're all paying for no, that pocket. we aren't screwed. We're we signed up. We're covered. Katrina, she'd be screwed in a few years, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to judge. Oh, I'm getting the evil glare. Katrina's like, I will still be pretty. I don't know if I'll still be pretty, but you better freaking <laughs> think I'm still pretty. <laughs> okay. 
So what I, what I was saying <laughs> was that my method of asking people about it as questions occurred to me, thinking about it and coming back with another question made this, this period where I was interested and the time between when I got interested and when I signed up was like a year. If I'd had this resource from that wait, but why article, it might've been a couple of weeks. I, uh, I think before we get too into other things, we should tell people what cryonics is. Yes, that's important. Not everyone knows. And, and it's an important definition because some people have preconceived ideas as to what it is. Oh, that's where they just dump your body in liquid nitrogen, right? Hala Han Solo. Um, it's not quite that. So the point of cryonics is to, well, how do we want to put it? Do we want to go off the definition or what were we going to say? When I, when I tell it to people casually in conversation, I just tell them I'm going to get my body frozen when I die. Yeah. Because that's close enough for jazz. That's all they need. Yeah. They're not, and then if they start to ask questions like, but won't your cells explode? Right. As they, then you're like, well, they have a little bit of a different technique. Yeah. You're not actually just literally thrown in a freezer. Right. I guess, so I like to, I guess, have just a little bit of background to it because, I guess to, to stave off some of those questions or if they don't have time to ask them, but then they would have, if, you know, whatever if there was. So it's not just that I'm getting frozen when I die. The point is, is that... Uh, you are being preserved. Well, exactly. So being preserved in such a way that it's completely reasonable to suspect that future scientists might be able to restore you to, to working condition. Let's start with what the point of cryo is. Right. What is the point of cryonics? The point of cryonics is to make it so that people who aren't informationally dead, which is to say... They can be declared legally dead, but they're still theoretically resurrectable or re- or, or savable. Rebootable. So, rebootable. Uh, so a good example is 100 years ago, if your heart stopped, you were dead. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. In the 1950s, CPR came around, and now it turned out where if someone's heart stopped, you can keep them alive long enough to, to work with them a little bit. That definition of what is legally dead continues to, to be pushed back a little bit. Now people can be dead for minutes, in extreme cases, hours, and be savable in today's hospitals. Mm-hmm. The, the point is is that if, if someone is cryopreserved, you're basically getting them to the hospital where they can be saved, but that hospital might be in the year 2200. You, you want to get them to a hospital that can save them when that hospital doesn't currently exist. Exactly. As opposed to, say, flying them to the fanciest hospital in the country and getting them worked on there. Yeah. You're just flying them to the 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 hospital 100 years from now or five years or 500 years, whatever your time. Hopefully is. only five years. That'd you be know, cool. if we're lucky, you see, the longer you're frozen, the less likely you are to be saved. That's certainly the case with, I forget the guy's name, the first person to be crowd preserved in the 1960s when technology was the worst. It's Well, the, it was the worst human crowd preservation there probably ever was because the technology sucked. Yeah. So there's a good chance that there's what people call the, the last in first out hypothesis or idea. Mm-hmm. Which is where if whatever it's twenty well we'll we'll arbitrarily say twenty two hundred as the year. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say we're we're getting a bit of a tangent. Yeah. Before before I was wondering how exactly we're supposed to get the body to the future without it decaying in the meantime. Oh, yeah. So your sound bite of freeze it works, right? So mm-hmm. biodegradation stops when uh you get really cold. Of course, all kinds of bad things happen to you when you get really cold, and that's why it kills you. So the idea is is that you're cooled in such a way that it's non-damaging into anything that's really important. It's still damaging. The process of vitrification is absolutely still damaging the way that we do it, but it's less damaging than sticking you in a deep freeze. Well, yes, it's certainly far less damaging than sticking you in the ground and letting worms eat your brain. That's very damaging. Or cremation. Let's um, talk real quick about a few assumptions that Cryo makes one of the first thing it assumes is that who you are is contained in your physical body. Right. What matters is at least your physical body, primarily what's between your ears. Yes, that there is no such thing as a soul or a divine spark or whatever, which is separate from your physical material flesh. That said, you can find people who will conjoin the positions and say, I, well, I, I can find some articles to link to. We'll put them on the website as well. But, you know, for example, you could say, if you're cryopreserved, your soul never really leaves and it stays and it, it sparks back up when your brain sparks back up again. The same way that if your heart stops during surgery. Or it takes a vacation and then comes back. That works too. In- interesting um, side note, when I was first signing up to get cryopreserved, I was still married to my crazy, um, crazy fundamentalist Christian wife. And there's a problem with cryo that your next of kin, your family, can stop it. 
they can say no and kick the doctors out of the room. They have the legal right to do that, and then you're fucked. So one of the things you really want to do is make sure that the person who has power of attorney is on your side. So it took some convincing to get her on my side, but eventually I was like, you know what? God's this all-powerful super being. My puny human technology is not going to interfere with his will. If if my soul goes on to heaven or whatever, then you can't stop that by freezing me. Like, one of her really big concerns seemed to be that if I got frozen, my soul would be stuck to my body and it would be really cold and sad all the time. Well, you're already dead by the time you get frozen. D that, you know, legally dead, yes. And I'm not sure if that's good enough for God. And I guess she wasn't either. Guys, this is another reason why I might have to have a kid. <laughs> because because uh, the only the only other people who are having kids who might have power <laughs> attorney over me are my husband's very Christian conservative family. Well, no, if you are married, then your husband would have power of attorney. Assuming he's still alive when you die. I assume he's going to die before me. Oh. Sorry, sweetie. Wow, that was a given in your line of reasoning there. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so sure? <laughs> in that case, wouldn't it be like your parents or your siblings? Um, again, I'm all going to die before you. I'm okay. going to be 95 years old when this is even an issue. I'm going to be 95 years old. The only surviving people are going to be my my husband's siblings, great great grandchildren. <laughs> Because they um, are going to have lots of kids. And, or just grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Huh. And they're going to be the ones who have to make that decision. So, well, I mean, who are, they're lovely people. You don't have to <laughs> infect your own kids with your memes. You can infect, you know, your nieces and nephews. It's going to be more difficult because they're conservatively homeschooled. Or pay an attorney to enforce your will. Oh, wait, but... That's, if even if they manage to delay it for a while, that... that your brain rots mm -hmm. while the time is of the essence yeah, in this situation. Keep, 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 keep them on retainer when you're on your deathbed. <laughs> Just like, hey, you're spending the week at the hospital. But one of the important things to do when you sign up for cryo, which I guess maybe we should wait until later in the episode to get into, is get your friends and family to at least say they won't fight it. Right. They don't have to be all totally on board, but tell them not to not to stop things. And that's that's where I was at. And that, don't I... tell them. Like, get them to agree to it. Yeah. Otherwise, they could just lie and yeah. say that they're doing it for good reasons yeah. so yeah getting people on board or at least on board enough to yeah where they're not going to fight you and, and let you rot so part of the key to, to to successful preservation is getting you into treatment before too much time has passed since legal death mm -hmm. because while people can be declared legally dead for some time some minutes usually before things start to go bad in their body uh, that window is pretty narrow so what's the best way to die if you want to be chronically preserved in the hospital, knowing when you're going to die ahead of time. Not dying of a anything that would that would especially damage your brain. Oh God, yes. Uh, volcanoes. Volcanoes <laughs> damage your brain. So like you thermite know, on the skull. Yeah. Well, and there was the that chronics. Uh, I don't like to say patient. What do you call someone who signed up for chronics? They actually are patients. So I guess that chronics patient who died in the September 11th attacks in New York oh, City. Yeah, oh, he's kind not of... a patient because his body was not. Recovered. Well, that's my point. So oh, he, okay. he, he before they before they declared. Oh, before they, dead. they I see. Uh, Member. Yeah. So that was kind of a bummer, but that counts as a an incident that makes you not a good candidate for successful successful preservation. So jumping back a bit because we are going all over the place today. Sorry, I'm sorry. But that's partly my fault too. I also got my own digression, which I apologize for. I was apologizing, apologizing to the audience. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not sorry for you. Yeah, no, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that uh, the assumption is that everything that makes you you is in your body and mostly in your brain. It is. We have a lot of reason to believe that is probably the case. And so, if the brain can be preserved, it is assumed that maybe someday it can be recreated as well, or restored to working order, or restored to working order. Yes. So there are lots of ways to. Or lots of avenues by which successful reanimation or revival might take place. Nanobots? Nanobots to repair damaged tissue, functionally isomorphic replication through just computer parts. Mm -hmm. or, or biological parts. Yeah. Yeah. Could be silicon, could be carbon. Clone farms. Yeah, possibly. They could, you know, mold how the brain develops so all the neurons get Sorry. in the right place. That was out of that was out of left field. Well, I mean, that, that's a possibility, <laughs> but I, like you said, it, I, I think it'd be more likely to be on a, yeah, on a silicon substrate. Mm -hmm. I guess unless, computer network. unless you couldn't, for whatever reason, reanimate the rest of the body, but you could fix the brain. So you just get a, you get a, a clone farm for whatever 
ethical constraints that you can keep them alive enough to get their head big enough to put your brain into and then just you know but that sounds like a lot of work i think there are easier ways to do it maybe so. you can use a positronic brain that's cryonics but um what are some other methods of preservation that people are checking out plastinization is actually one of them mm-hmm. i hadn't heard of this okay yeah that way they can don't have to keep your brain frozen they can just put it in a box in a warehouse you know those um traveling see inside your body things that come to museums sometimes? yeah body body works body, body works. Yeah, yeah. that's right it was it yeah no? okay. that's that's what they do they take a corpse and they you know soak it in these these chemicals and then afterwards the what's left is basically just plastic uh sort of kind of rubbery right yeah but it maintains the it maintains the structure although it's plastic now so theoretically you could look at that and then I think the only way that you could be cured at that point is recreation. Yeah, complete. You can't fix that. Gotcha. So it sounds. But if it's done well, it would, in theory, be a complete map of your brain. That's interesting. Yeah. So that sounds, depending on what avenue and how you want to hedge your bets, that sounds like not the worst way to go. Right. Um. So we there have been examples where small organisms have been cryopreserved and restored. Was it three months ago? A few months ago. They vitrified a rabbit liver and then put it into another rabbit, and that ra- that rabbit had no ill effects. The, the liver worked fine. So reversal of cryopreservation has already been demonstrated. Is there any way to get a pla- what was it called plasti plastinization plastinization? Is there no. any way to reverse that whatsoever? No, 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 no. So, no. Would, so that's that's permanent. So it would be for preserving the brain to take a really good MRI picture later and then recreate it that way. Yes. And or okay, cool. Something but, to look into. I don't know a lot about that. But the way that um, cryo actually works, I call it cryo for short, as do a lot of people, uh, is that when you die, they pump your veins full of a cryoprotectant solution, which gets circulated through your body through one of those thumper machines that keeps your heart going. Well, it doesn't keep your heart going, but thumps on your chest so that your heart squirts whatever is in it throughout your body. Mm. Is it squirt is the technical term. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a scientist. Yes. <laughs> And as they're doing that, they're also cooling you down so that you don't rot as fast. But the purpose is to get the cryopreservative absorbed through all your cells, particularly in the brain. The brain's the important part. So that this cryoprotectant, once you get to a cold enough point, it does, it replaces, it replaces the water in your cells, most of them anyway, most of the water. So when you get cold enough, there aren't, uh, water within your cells to crystallize, which is what everyone mentions who doesn't know anything about cryo is like, well, when you put your strawberry in the fridge and it freezes, when you unth- when you unthaw it, it's mushy. And so, because the water inside it crystallized, destroyed all the cells, which yes, water does, but that's why the cryoprotectant is there to get rid of the water. And it, that's sorry, I didn't mean to interject here. Oh, it's okay. And once you get it cold enough, which is I think negative two hundred fifty something degrees, uh, it goes through a process called glacination, where mm. it is no longer a liquid; it is now a solid. But you know, it doesn't expand like water does. It stays solid, and so all the molecules in your cells can no longer move. They can no longer degrade. They are frozen in place. And from that point, uh, then they can put you in liquid nitrogen, which is even colder than that. It doesn't have to be any colder at that point, but the reason they use liquid nitrogen is because it's really cold and it's really cheap. So you can be cryopreserved for a long time very cheaply. What I was going to mention was, which great summary there. I didn't mean to, to just move yeah, right past problem. it. The strawberry example is one of the things I, I haven't actually heard people use strawberry specifically, but they mention all the time how water expands when frozen. Mm-hmm. You you die. You know, that's this kills the person. Right. Um the this is something that I guess if you see something being seriously talked about by people that you otherwise trust to be smart, and in two seconds you can think of a way that instantly points out how fatally flawed it is, at least ask them about it. Uh Maybe there's a there's a chance that you found the fatal flaw and that their that their community missed completely. But this would be you know, saying that everyone who's been on board with this so far hadn't realized that water expands when frozen. And uh, Excellent point, Stephen. People know that. <laughs> so two major assumptions. One being that if you have the brain preserved, it can later be recreated or revived. And I, for one, think this is an assumption that as long as technology keeps progressing, as it has been for the past several millennia, at least, can we say? centuries okay as long as technology keeps progressing we will eventually (laughs) we will eventually at some point get to the point where you can recreate a brain i think that's just a 100 percent given the only thing that could stop that is actual you know like collapse of civilization type events and um the other one being what makes you you is uh entirely in the brain and that once that is recreated you would be you again 
which I don't see how anyone who is a materialist could materialist in the philosophical philosophical sense that there is no spiritual dualism. There's just, you know, matter. I don't know how anyone who is a materialist could argue that point. Well, uh, maybe as a materialist, you could say, but I'm not me tomorrow and I'm not me in five years. So why preserve this this me in you know, X number of years after death, because it's yet another different person. Everything is replaced. Um, everybody changes. And yeah, I would at that point, probably look at their lifestyle. And if they do anything to prepare for the next few days, I would call them a hypocrite. <laughs> you mean like eat or, well, or drink water or, or do... keep keep a day job. Sure. Like if you if you're just living on the street for the momentary pleasure that that brings you, I commend you and you are, you know, you're living a consistent life. But if you save money and, you know, worry about your health and things, then you probably care about future you. Yeah. Okay. You care about future you. I certainly do. That said, we'll try and make an effort to to steel man the the anti-crown exposition if we get around to it. Oh yeah. Is there anything else we want to say about the physics of cryonics? I will say the thing the thing that makes cryonics most compelling to me is that there is no reason why it shouldn't work. Those were exactly the next words to come out of my mouth. Oh, really? right. And almost the same enunciation. That was spooky. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like there there are reasons why ghosts shouldn't exist, like physical laws that are like if some if the ghosts do exist, our knowledge of the laws of physics is fundamentally fucked. But there's nothing like that with cryo. Like everything we know says that this is possible. And that that's where I'm at. So if someone's saying, well, aren't you just trying to hedge your bets on, well, what are they? I guess that's the better way to phrase it. Edit. I'm saying edit to myself. Oh. Yeah. I think. Speaking of future selves, Stephen, this weekend, you're going to be editing this shit. <laughs> Don't you hate the way your voice sounds? Jesus Christ. Oh. I, I love the way Ellie Eiser puts it. He thinks of it in uh, from the reverse side. He says that sometimes you want to destroy information. For example, let's say you want to delete a file off your hard drive. If you just delete it and empty your recycle bin, that can still be undeleted. There are ways, even if you overwrite your entire hard drive with zeros, uh, it has been theorized, I don't know if anyone's actually done this, that with an electron microscope, someone with enough skill can see which uh, which bits used to be zero and which used to be one and recreate them, uh, the file. So there are actually programs out there called bit shredders, which people who are really paranoid use. After they delete something, they'll run it, and it'll scramble all the bits like 27 times on their computer to just random noise. Well, the ones that are you know marked to be deleted, so they cannot be recovered. But his point is, given the rate of how technology has increased over the past several hundred years, if that hard drive was still around a thousand years from now... It's theoretically possible future people could come up with a way to even find that data after the 27 bitch readings have gone through. So if you really want to make sure information is destroyed, you should just cover the whole hard drive with thermite and light it on fire, melt it down to slag. And his point is that if you want to destroy the information that makes a person a person, filling them with cryoprotectants and uh, putting them in liquid nitrogen is a terrible way to do that. It is not a secure way to delete a person. So <laughs> Succinctly put. Yeah, so, you know, they could be undeleted in the future with enough advancement in technology. All right, I have some questions. Do it. So, how, why, would, why would future people decide to revive or decide to save cryonically preserved people from the past? Why do people right now try to save anybody? Why do people give money to the Anti-Malaria Foundation to save people in third world countries from malaria? So we might um, <clears throat> we might postulate a charity-minded culture in the future. Or even just a, a small subsect of charity-minded people in a culture like ours. And I would assume that if anyone does, you know, bring a few people back uh, out of charity, then the people who are brought back would probably have a strong motivation to bring other people back as well. I would assume that'd be one of their main goals once they are recreated in the future. Like their friends and family. Yeah, friends, yeah. family, even just other people that got cryopreserve yeah i just like, meant we could it could have been me if we're in the same boat for sure no I, I just meant that like in general if they're like the, if you're the first person brought back you have a strong and you have anyone else that you know in cryopreservation by default there's someone else you want to come out even just for your own reasons right. but i totally agree that especially while you're getting used to the future well i might as well work on bringing other people into the future too yeah i i just think that people would do it because only a good society would want to do that sort of thing and you don't want to be resurrected into an evil society anyway 
one of the postulates for successful cryo reanimation slash resurrection. I don't like that word. Is there another word that's typically used in the lingo? Reanimation. Re- reanimation is the most common one. Yeah. One of the, the prerequisite ideas slash givens is that the future society will have some motivation, or at least some of the members of that society will have some motivation to work on reanimating cryo patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they don't, then no, you'll just still be dead. That's sort and of. You know, that's kind of okay. That, that was sort of. You're not any worse off. That was that's exactly right. kind of the position that pushed me over the edge when I was still cryocrastinating that, you know, look, worst case scenario, I'm still dead. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to be where I'm at if I don't do anything. So why don't I try and do a little bit and get me there? But what if there's an even worse case scenario? Are you like, talking about the I have no mouth and I'm a scream scenario? Um, I mean, that's the worst possible case scenario. <laughs> but Are we talking about... I only said that so I can bleep it out later. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> you are such a dick, dude. I'll just delete it completely. Okay. No, what... what please go on. What were you saying? What's your worser case scenario? What if you're brought back and it's not very nice? It's not very nice and you don't like the people and you're like, I'd rather not be here. I wish you can kill yourself. What if you can't kill yourself? That actually argument wasn't proposed to me until after I had signed up and I'd been signed up for like two years. And it hadn't really occurred to me that, you know, whatever future you live in might be, you know, near utopian, but just doesn't suit you. And they're like, they're so anti-death that like, no, you you can't check yourself out. Are you insane? We, We You physically can't anymore. So we went yeah. through all this trouble and you just want to die again. What if you're paralyzed and in pain at all times, but you can't kill yourself because you're paralyzed? I feel like if they could successfully reanimate a frozen brain, they could fix paralysis. Yeah. Oh, you were reading. Unless they're mean. Right. So if they're, <laughs> if they're, they're mean, why would they resurrect you in the first place? Uh, Science. But there's plenty of alive people to pick on. And yeah, I guess, so what, the science, the, so the, I guess <laughs> you're weighing the possible, the, the number of possible features that involve scientists who will go through the trouble to resurrect crowd patients and keep them alive just to see how much they can fuck with them. Well, to uh, see, versus, to see how a chronically preserved brain does after X amount of time, Y amount of time, da, 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 da in this situation. They'll probably do that even if they really care about you and they, they want to see how your well-being because they want to make sure that things are going to go well, but yeah. they're not going to keep you locked in a room tied to an MRI machine. They're going to, hey, come, can you come back every couple of weeks so we can scan your brain? So there are, um, here, here's how I think about it. There are a certain number of possible futures that would be nice, or you can at least still be dead or kill yourself again if you don't like it. And then there is an even tinier chance of there being a possible future where it's terrible and you can't check out even if you want to. But the allure of the larger uh, larger possibility future set of, of better outcomes makes it worthwhile. I, so that's how I see it. I think that's exactly right, is that as long as you're you're doing that kind of calculus you can look at and say okay what are the odds like well you just laid it out but that that was that that was my comeback when i first heard this the the counter argument from somebody about well what if you can't kill yourself or they won't let you it took me some time to think well you know what i think it's still worth it because i don't assign i assign a lower i obviously assign a lower probability to that than i assign to being resurrected at all Mm -hmm. so i personally i know not everyone thinks this but personally i find it incredibly difficult to imagine a future where Humanity has gotten to the point where they can, you know, bring people back and are willing to expend the resources to do so just to torture people. Well, maybe it is like the AI horror story that you mentioned. I have no mouth, but I must scream. And Which it is, is an AI that brings you back just to torture you. Yeah, but that's that's ridiculous. It's that's very it's that's... highly unlikely. But obviously people have imagined it because it's a story that was written down. People also imagine biblical heaven. Right. I'm. I'm just. <laughs> so like, as, as long as as long as we're weighing like post post legal like death have scenarios, to try really fucking hard to build an Either AI. said he couldn't imagine it. To build an AI <laughs> who is motivated to torture humans. It's it's so unbelievable. I I can't. It's difficult enough to build an AI that isn't going to wipe out all of humanity just because they don't care. But one that specifically tries to preserve humanity just so they can torture them? Man, I'm going to do that just to spite you. <laughs> just kidding. Don't kill me. I was going to say, I think we have to kill you now. No. <laughs> we were talking I about this before. It was totally a joke. I'm a nice person. For now. You're so sure you're going to outlive your husband. 
What does she know that her husband doesn't? I'm having difficulty thinking of ways to continue the joke. All right, so now that, now that, now that we've had enough fun at Katrina's expense, where were we? Chronics. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think the shitty future is the least possible, least likely reason to reject cryonics. There's other reasons that I can sympathize more with. Okay, let's talk about those reasons. Oh, well, um, recently I've heard that some people think that the uh, hormones and chemicals that are in your brain is a very big part of what makes you you. And since the cryopreservation doesn't preserve that, it only preserves the structure of your neurons, that it wouldn't be you. And I just disagree. Well, then it would be a slightly different person, just like the previous example, how you're a different person in five years. Yeah. You're a different person when you get off birth control. You're a different person. Exactly. You still care about that person. Mood. Yeah. And yeah. they give you some pills and that stuff balances out or whatever they don't. They, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that seriously. Like if it came back to where you were just full on zombie without, you know, for whatever reason, if all the hormones wiped out, do you need to sneeze? Go ahead. No, I was doing that quietly for a reason. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a suppressed sneeze or a su- I'm getting ready to sneeze. No, I was blowing out my ears. I couldn't hear. I, I heard an amazing um, podcast. I think it was This American Life. I don't listen to anymore because it's depressing as hell. But they had an amazing episode on uh, testosterone. And there's some people that occasionally have their testosterone just kick out. Their body stops making it. And the changes they go through personality-wise are drastic and fascinating. So, I mean, it is a big part of who you are, but again, it's still you, just in a different mood, and I assume they would give you a standard cocktail for human, and you'd be close enough. That's what I'm saying, right? So even today, we can correct hormone problems. Yes, I'm on antidepressants to correct some hormone problems. And people are on testosterone to fix testosterone issues, so... If, if that's doable today, when we, when I think future scientists will look back and be amazed at how little idea we had of what we were doing when we were doing medicine, I think there's every reason to suspect that in the future, they'll have a perfect cocktail to put you either right back how you were or better than where you, where you were. So that is why I dismiss that. But there are people that think that it is a big enough deal that it, it's not preserving them. I've also heard some people think that the actual uh, electrical activity in your brain is who you are. And, you know, it changes from moment to moment constantly. But that running record of who you are is uninterruptible. And if you were to be frozen, since that isn't, you know, kept, when you're rebooted, again, it's not you. I guess I would ask why they have such high confidence in that belief. I don't know. I'm just saying that they would be that they would be willing to not take a chance on that. Well, like in well, so first of all, I think that so are they saying that when you're brought back, you're not you or you're not bring back a bowl? Uh, some people say one, some people say the other, that you're literally not bra- brought back. You cannot be brought back without that information. So if the answer is that you're just dead, if they can't bring, you know, if you're electrical. Your information neuro- theoretically dead. Right. So if that happens, well, that you're, that, that brings you back to, you know, kind of caveat A, you're, you're no, you're no worse off than if you didn't sign up in the first place. I guess you're out some $10 a month. We should get into that after this. Which, oh, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll jump into the costs. But ultimately, I think that that could be something a lot like, you know, with the hormone cocktail. You know, unless for whatever reason, it just, I guess I don't know enough about how neurochemistry works to, uh, or I guess neuroelectrochemistry to, to, to know what would happen if you ceased it completely and then started it up again. But that happens once in a while with people who are alive today. I assume uh, so. People go under brain surgery. They turn off a lot of that stuff. People get electrocuted. I mean, not everyone survives electrocution, but I guess electroshocked. I forget which one is, there's a different word for which one kills you. Electrocuted versus, elect- versus electroshock. I think you survive electroshock, because that's what they called uh, electroshock therapy. therapy. Yeah, Therapy in quotes. Not important. Yes. So important? Vocabulary? (laughs) Come on. How was I going to prove your nerd cred unless you don't correct them when they use the word electrocute when they make electroshock? I'm writing... (laughs) To an hour and a half if we don't quibble over every little thing. I am am writing on your nerd cred. Is that cool? I guess I'm nerdy enough right now. Steven will carry us through. Well, I'll get us through. So yeah, there, there's and the the one I was talking previously about the chemical balance. Uh, some people also think that once that is gone, your information theoretically dead as well and cannot be brought back. Okay, I, so well, there are those. could be, could be, yeah. and if so, then you remain dead. Right. That's sort of where I'm at. Of course, we will know. We'll have answers to these questions in the next few years. There's every reason to suspect that the next organ that they're going to freeze on a rabbit and put into another rabbit is going to be a brain, and it's. I have a very high bar for what I tolerate with animal experimentation in general. We can dive into that later. But these sorts of things I'm sort of okay with. Not 
does the shampoo make people's eyes burn so much that they won't use it? Right. But things like, will this save people who die forever or give them a much better chance at living? That sounds like worthwhile experimentation. Or save rabbits. That? How many rabbits do you sacrifice to save how many other rabbits? We can email Peter Singer and ask him. <laughs> That's actually a good question. I mean, it applies to humans too, but yeah. I'm using rabbits to be less uh, offensive right, right now. Right. Oh, I didn't catch that. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. I'm like, I don't know how many rabbits equal a person or how many rabbits we could sacrifice for the good of other rabbits. For well, people. the good news is you're not allowed to kill people by freezing them cryonically and then transplant their brains. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we don't. Uh, so it's really just a thought experiment right now. How many, how many people we should sacrifice to save for the greater good? Wait, is anyone talking about sacrificing anybody? No. No, but I'm we not. could. Well, so I mean, this you know, like in the whole like movie genre of doing all this stuff to death row inmates, but I'm not really behind that because I'm not really pro death row. So no, of course not. Oh, we're all agreeing again. Are we all pro? Are we all anti death penalty? Yeah. yeah. Are we? Yeah. So <laughs> I get, we, just to bring us back to a position where we can disagree, are we all anti-killing anybody altogether? I'm kind of yeah. anti-killing people. Yeah. I'm generally anti-killing people, but there are, I think there are circumstances in which it would be dumb not to, but now we're getting way too far afield. Well, I just I mean, wanted to make sometimes if you have to right. in order to prevent worse things, then sure. If you have to... So so that goes back to the bunnies question. If you got to kill somebody to save a lot more people... Maybe yeah. that's the right thing to do. Like, if, if somebody's like, I'm going to push a button and extinguish all life on Earth, then the moral thing to do is to kill that person before they can push the button. Right. Yes. I mean, if, <laughs> if, if some bunny is going to do that, you have to, right? Right. <laughs> evil bunnies. You know how you can tell they're evil? How? The sharp, pointy teeth. No. And the glowing red eyes? Wait. Why? You have a bunny with sharp, pointy teeth? Uh, am I the only one who's seen Monty, Monty Python? Python? Oh... I, th I thought God, I'm I thought, so old. I thought we were. Oh no, I saw it too. I, I oh, knew what you were talking about, okay. but I thought we were going to make a joke about how you're the only one who doesn't know what a rabbit looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Benicula. I was thinking Benicula, but that's totally different. <gasps> yes, we we got to talk about that again someday. Okay, never mind. Okay, uh, never mind for right now. Put that in your pocket for the future. <laughs> Rationalist children's book reading. <laughs> okay, so I know somebody who's very close to me. And his response to me saying that I was going to sign up for Chronix is, I'm comfortable to die when it's my time. Mm -hmm. That was my position before I realized that Chronix was a viable option or was a viable enough option to consider. When I, between the period when I lost my vaguely religious upbringing and got more into my like anti-death position. Oh, I wanted to talk about that before we, not necessarily before, but during this episode. About whether or not this is a good thing in general to even try to do to extend to radically extend the lifespan. Uh, we should we'll do get that there. when we do our, our immortality episode. Oh yeah, we're doing a we're doing an immortality slash deathist episode later, so uh, we'll save it for that. Okay. But I thought it was tangentially related, but I guess it is given for people who want to sign up for Chronics that yes, living longer is a good thing, or you know, just living long enough to to see the future and see if it's neat. Or not neat. I have this essay that I go to often about this topic. Uh, it's on Less Wrong, of course. And it's basically <laughs> the TLDR is life's a bitch, but at least you die, is how most people view life. And the guy talks quite a bit about how when you go to most older people who've, you know, gone through life, they've had their kids, they've had their career, they've, they've, uh, retired. And you ask them, did you enjoy your life? They're like, yeah. Like, uh, do you, you're happy with everything that you did? Yeah, I got me kids. Everything is very fulfilling. You want to do it again? Pfft. Fuck no. Are you kidding me? Because there's kind of a natural arc to the human life where you're excited about things when you're a kid. You're excited about learning. And then you get, you know, or playing. Playing and learning, same thing, basically. Then you get tired of that. Then you have a passion. And then you get tired of that. And then you have children. And then you get tired of that. And eventually... The things that you, that we have evolved to find really interesting, we lose interest in them and there's nothing we're really interested in anymore and then we just die. Do you find that convincing? Because my grandfather really, really did not want to die. And I don't was think super bummed about it. I don't think that's the case with everyone. The, the, the whole point of the article, which the reason I like the article is that it says you are the exception. You are the sort of person who is really excited about things in life and wants to do them more. You want to learn. You want to explore the cosmos. And most people just don't have that. And so your mission is to go out and twist people like you're twisted. 
Make them <laughs> sick like you so they want to keep living. They have the reason to keep living. And so I think there is actually a lot of people who just don't want to live that long. And, I mean, some of it is just that getting tired of life thing. Some of it is probably um depression. Like, there's a lot of people who don't want to be alive right now because they deal with serious depression and just, you know, have a hard time killing themselves. Which, I would say, I'm sorry. Which I think is actually probably a good thing because I think a lot of depressions resolve over time. I but those agree. are the kind of people that I, when I hear they don't want to live longer than their natural lifespan, it makes me very sad, but I can understand how some people wouldn't want that. Also, natural lifespan is very subjective, yeah. as we talked about earlier. I wanted to touch on that. And I think another large part of people not wanting, you know, say if you asked an old person, do you want to do this again, is that they've been old for the last 30 or 40 years and being physically old sucks. Yeah. You're constantly tired. You hurt all the time. Everything is exhausting and everything's a chore. So, I mean, the idea of saying, hey, you want to do that for another century? Sounds awful. Yeah. But that's not what longer lifespan advocates are all about. I, I love your point about the natural lifespan definition. My, one of my favorite lines from Dumbledore is when he's talking to Harry Potter, rashless Dumbledore, when he's talking to Harry Potter <laughs> about, about immortality. And he says, I would not want to outlive my natural two and a half centuries. <laughs> and it's just such a contrast because we always think natural is 70, 80. Right. And then there's Harry has that bite back where he's like, yeah, it must suck to like, you know, die at the ripe young age of, say, 80. Yeah. And he's thinking about his parents, his muggle parents. What did we want to touch on next? Did we want to go into the cost of cryo or is there other things first? Um, I guess as far as life expectancy, like I said, I think it's, it's heavily tied to how old you feel. If being 60, 70, 80, 90 didn't get progressively worse, I think people would be less inclined to say I'm ready to die. Okay. Also, your grandpa's a badass. My grandpa was a badass. Um, unfortunately, was. Oh. And unfortunately, he thought he was going to die very, very soon for a long time. Ooh. And so he was would often kind of tell me that I needed to write my next novel in the next two years. You know, tell this to a seven-year-old. Ah. And then look sad. Um, he ended up dying when I was in college. Wow. So He hung on for a while. He was very healthy. That very was, healthy. That was a lot like my great-grandfather. Uh, he, I mean, I, I, I think, well, I don't know. It's hard for me to talk about. We'll talk about that in my immortality episode. Oh, okay. or in the immortality. Well, just in general, my this is my, my dad's grandfather. He died four or five years ago. But it was just, it's tough just because I guess we'll get into all the reasons why death sucks next time or on a later episode. But yeah, anyway, so it's not I like I miss my grandpa. Why did he think he was going to die for so long? Because he's old. Oh. How old was he? Mm, I don't remember how old he ended up being. 90-ish? A little older than that? I was very fortunate in that I knew, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of my great-grandparents, of my parents' grandparents. So, yeah, we live forever. My uh, The Zubers are, are a healthy bunch. Hmm. <laughs> Not for long, <laughs> says that stare. <laughs> no, that stare was... While I'm thinking about sperm donors. <laughs> ah, he's got some longevity over there. We do have a lot of good traits. And I, <laughs> well, the, the reason I, the re I bring that up because it's been told to me by at least two people that after I've declared that I don't intend on having children, that they say you should still at least donate sperm. We should save this for our reproducing episode. Fair enough. Okay. Gosh, it's so easy for us to get off topic. But the best thing is we're not running out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, back on topic, my family members, one of their main complaints was, this is something that's only available to rich people. It depends on what you mean by rich. I mean, the global poor certainly aren't going to be able to afford it, and it's not even available in most countries outside of the U.S. But in America, you don't actually have to be rich. You can, like, I, I'm certainly not rich. I'm middle class, and I was making even less when I first signed up. It's not that expensive, depending on who you go with. Uh, I'm signed up with uh, the Cryonics Institute. And Stephen? Cryonics Institute. And I was making less than $20,000 a year when I signed up. Okay. I was full-time college, part-time worker. But the other thing to mention is that I think just before we even talk about how cheap it is, is that it's too expensive and it's only for rich people is true of basically every new medical development. It's true. Uh, and it, it costs go down eventually. But, you know, whether or not that's the case, that might be just an unfortunate bummer reality about it. That's not necessarily an argument against it. It also scales not um, not poorly anyway. So if a lot more people signed up, it would be cheaper per person. Mm -hmm. So we want more people of all sorts of different income levels to sign up. Yes. But mainly because we don't want people to die. That's really where it's at. Yeah. 
I feel like kind of like looking back now. So, you know, we look back and I guess we can talk about this in our immortality episode, but it, it, it ties in tangentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we all miss our grandparents. Well, they miss their grandparents. And it's just a bummer that this has been happening the whole time and no one's really been doing that much to, to work on it, dying and death. I don't think there's really much people could have done before 10 years ago or so. That's true. I mean, you know, they could have started looking. Well, yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. But the fact that people are still arguing that it's not worth working towards or you can die at 90 and it's not That's a big deal. fucking annoying. It is kind of annoying. But don't we want people to die because overpopulation? We can get into that in our immortality episode. And no. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> and no is the answer. <laughs> uh, uh, Steven, okay. so how much are you paying for the cryo? So, Cryonics, well, actually, so you did the, the lifetime membership, which I think when you signed up for that was a thousand bucks. It was a thousand dollars. Now it's like twelve hundred. It's twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. Okay. But that said, twelve thousand, twelve, twelve hundred fifty dollars for a lifetime membership to CI or twelve hundred or a hundred and twenty dollars a year slash ten dollars a month. And that's what I pay because I still haven't put down the lifetime payment yet. We should tell people what this means. To actually be preserved by the Cryonics Institute, you have to be a member. And to become a member, first of all, you sign a lot of legal paperwork, but also you pay a fee, which is either $1,200 at this point for your, and you're a member for the rest of your life, or uh, you can pay, how much is it per year? 120. 120 per year. So $10 a month. And roughly that will cost, also make you a member for that year. Roughly the cost of your Netflix subscription. That that was that was what pushed, put me over the board on my, my financial analysis was like, so that's two Starbucks or one Netflix for an arbitrarily calculated percentage of success that might bestow functional immortality. But that is not the entire cost. There is also the actual cost of preserving you, which is, I believe, about 12000 28000 28000 okay, with CI. And that's only if you die near their facilities. And CI is short for Cryonics Institute, because yes. that's a mouthful. $28,000. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> are they going to have that much from you? There's there's more cost than this. It's 28000 if you die right there. You're probably going to have to pay, if you aren't in uh, in Michigan, you're probably going to have to pay to have some professional uh, professionals nearby to immediately get you cryopreserved, and that costs extra as well. I can hear our listeners asking, why Michigan? What the hell? That's where CI is based out of. Yes. But uh, altogether... And who wants to live there when you're old? It's cold. Yeah. Who wants to live there? Yeah. Period. <laughs> Sorry, everybody from Michigan. I, everyone I know from Michigan would agree with that statement. Everyone I know from Michigan moved out of Michigan. Yeah. I've never been there, so I don't know anyone there. I, I know my, like, my in-laws are still there, and they also agree with the statement, except for the like, older retired ones who, you know, now it's cheap to live there, so. All right. Anecdotally, anecdotally nobody, likes sucks. To, nobody likes to live in Michigan, <laughs> so you will also have to pay to get your body transported to Michigan. Yes. So, altogether, it comes out to about $100,000. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Mm-hmm. So you pay Chronics Institute 28K to freeze you, and then you pay Suspended Animation Inc. to transport you, and we talked about pumping you full of cryoprotectant and keeping your heart going long enough to get all that going through your system. They're the group that'll do that, unless you happen to die at the doors of the Chronics Institute. Right. And the way most people pay for that is through life insurance, because life insurance has this amazing thing where as soon as you're declared legally dead, it pays out. I mean, not literally right that instant, but generally within a day, uh, which is nice because if you were to set up some kind of trust, it can take weeks for that money to go through after you die. And at that point, you are a big, soggy, mushy pile of goo and not there's not much left to preserve. So the life insurance option is really awesome and it is entirely legal. And there are uh, people who specialize just in life insurance for cryopreservation. The life insurance agent that I worked with and that comes highly recommended for getting you set up for cryonics is Rudy Hoffman, operating out of Florida. He was great my entire time working with him. Back and forth emails. Uh, we talked on the phone a few times, and he, you know, he, like every good insurance agent does, but you know, sent me all the documents, little colored tabs saying this is what this part says, this is signed here, this and that. Anyway, ten out of ten, Rudy Hoffman. We'll link to him on the website if we don't if we don't feel like that's shelling too much. That being said, I just went through the company that was doing my car insurance at the time. They also provided life insurance, State Farm, Shani Sorensen. And, uh, I mean, she, she needed it explained a little bit to her, but afterwards she was like, yeah, sure, you know, it's life insurance, it's a business. Uh, we got the legal work squared away and it didn't take very long. Today I learned that State Farm life insurance can 
go through CI. I could have sworn that when I signed up, it was only Kansas City Life that would let CI be a beneficiary. Yeah. You you can declare anyone as a beneficiary, even uh, you know charitable institutions. Why did I think that it was? There was some sort of reason that I was. Maybe it was only because that's who Rudy Hoff, Rudy Hoffman works for. But okay. for some reason, I could have sworn that there was some stronger incentive to use Kansas City Life. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you might get like an agent who's like really religious or some crap, in which case switch agents. But most people treat it as a business. You want life insurance? That's where you want the money to go. Fine. Right. They'll get it done. There, are, there are life insurance agents who will let your dog be your beneficiary, like you see on those TV shows. Hmm. Okay then. Or at least on TV shows that talk about fake TV shows. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this actually happened. I could have sworn, but I, it's been it a long sounds time like something that mm-hmm. may have happened. I haven't had cable in a while. But uh, what sort of life insurance did you get? Because that also impacts how much it costs. Right. I got whatever the bare bones was when I was, like I said, I was not making that much, but I thought I should just stop thinking about it and get it taken care of at the time. And um, how much do you pay per month? Twenty-seven bucks. Okay, so if you get the bare bones, which covers the cost, the hundred thousand. It's uh, 27 a month if you're fairly young. And I was an elite candidate as far as health and stuff, but I think oh, my no policy was for 150000 Nice. So I had a tiny bit of wiggle room, but, you know, yeah. enough to cover whatever legal fees. The interesting thing about that, that's a term life insurance, is after 30 years, when your life insurance expires, if you haven't died yet, it goes away, which means that, uh, you know, nobody gets the money. It is literally insurance in case you die. And since you haven't died, you don't need the insurance anymore. I got the... And for a lot of people, that works. Because there is a lot of people who assume that functional immortality will basically be discovered within the next 30 years. And so if they make it through 30 years, they'll be okay. They basically will stop aging or be at least in front of the curve enough that they don't have to worry about dying of old age. We'll talk about longevity, escape velocity in in our immortality episode. Yes. So there's a lot of people that are just fine with that. I, on the other hand, do not want to make estimates like that about time frame, especially when it comes to my, you know, immortal life (laughs) on the line. So I paid extra for the one that after the 30 years ends, if you're still alive, they give you back all the money you've put into it so far. So it costs me $60 a month for the same insurance. I think I have about 120 for my life insurance, cost me $60 a month, so a little more than twice as much as Stephen pays. But at the end of 30 years, if the singularity hasn't come, and if, you know, immortality hasn't been found, and if I'm still alive, I'll get that money back, and so I can give it directly to CI. Uh, it'll only be about 60000 so I'll have to kick in another 40000 Hopefully by then I'll have another 40000 saved up, because I will have been planning for this. And then I can just give them the money directly and be like, hey, here's the cash. That's a pretty sweet deal. Your agent will probably tell you about these different options. Yes. Yeah, Rudy definitely did. And I I didn't know I signed up for the term policy. He must have explained it, and I just said, right now I'll do cheapest, and never got around to reassessing it. I to-do think list. I wish we had an economist here, because I think there are reasons to do the cheapest and to not do... What I did. Not do Inyash's options. I am not at all sure about that, because I'm not an economist, but I have heard whispers. Well, there's the fact that $60 right now is worth a lot more than $60 in 30 years. Uh Aha. That would be it. Yes. Yeah. So so there are things that you shouldn't do, and one of them is buy a full-life life insurance. Right. That's that's why (laughs) I know that saying. Full-life life insurance is a terrible idea. Full-life life insurance is a terrible idea. Obviously, what you're doing is different. It's... It's yeah. not as good, but, you know, I, I kind of like hedging my bets. Maybe I've should, always been risk averse. Maybe you should be in- investing that extra $30. You know, maybe I should. And then you would have better outcomes than than paying it into this in- life insurance. Calling yeah, all economists, what should we all do? <laughs> no, I think actually you make a very good point. And if I had it to do over, I'd probably do that. I think I might be able to change it still. I'm sure you can. It's your policy. Yeah. All right. You just stop paying one and start another one. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, in in Stephen's case, you're paying thirty seven a month, which is twenty seven. Well, plus the ten oh, a month. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, I paid one thousand up front, and I'm paying sixty a month. And in both cases, that's less than you pay for cable if you have cable. It's less than you pay for high speed internet if you have high speed internet. Well, I'd, I'd rather die than not have high speed internet. But yeah. we <laughs> or a landline. Die or, permanently. Or like I said, that I mean, you know, twenty bucks a month is a lot of people's like Starbucks budget. You know, or whatever your coffee provider of choice. week is a lot of people's Starbucks budget. That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. Although, you know, if you're living near the poverty level, you're probably not going to be able to afford it. Because people that close to, to not having enough money can't swing an extra 40 bucks a month. That said, if you're 
would it be in poor taste to say dying to look into this? Get in touch with somebody at CI. They they do have ways of working with people who can't necessarily afford everything right away. They're largely philanthropic. They're not in this for the big bucks. So if if you're I, I obviously don't work for them. I can't be sure. In fact, this probably won't happen. But I think there's a non-zero chance that if you get in touch with them and say, "Look, this is what I've got to work with. I don't want to die. How can I work with you people?" Someone there will talk to you. So. You know, don't don't rule yourself out if you say if you think that you just literally can't afford it. I wanted to touch base on this before I forget, as long as they're jumping around a little bit. With the paperwork that they send you, one of the uh so I generally have an admonition against lying, but I signed a piece of paperwork that was sent to me saying I have a religious objection to autopsy, mm-hmm. even though I don't have a religious objection to anything. And now it's on tape. Now it's on tape, Stephen the liar. I actually um like to think of atheism as a form of religion. Even though a lot of people say it is the opposite of having a religion. Yeah, you're going to piss off every atheist in the audience. Yeah, I know. But I still, it is a belief about the afterlife and about supernatural things. And I honestly am of the opinion that it should be as protected as any other belief about those things. And I am, I seriously think it should be protected by the Second Amendment. Uh, It is a religious, quote unquote, belief in, in those terms. The First Amendment. Is it the first? Oh, right. The yeah. Second Amendment is the guns. <laughs> <laughs> I can defend my own Second Amendment rights. Thank you very much. So, yeah, that that whole thing aside, I can I see where you're coming from, especially with perks like this, right? Right. So if it just happened because I'm an atheist that I suddenly can't get these this awesome perk of not having the, the doctors cut my brain up after I die, thus killing me forever, you know, if only my my lack of belief counted as a, a religion, then that wouldn't happen. So, yeah, I... Let myself be a little dishonest on paper and say, yes, I have religious objection to autopsy. And they they highly recommend that you sign that. Yeah. They also send you a document which says, under what circumstances do you want to be preserved? And you can check a box that says, only perfect preservation. You know, I, I'm i there, whatever, basically like euthanasia style preservation. I checked the box that said, use your best judgment. You guys are the experts. Don't waste your time and money. Don't waste my money. Whatever, it's like some some borderline case. I get into a car accident and there's some brain hemorrhaging before I'm taken to the hospital and I die on the way there or something. There might be some damage or whatever. They'll use their own best judgment guess. And usually they do preserve. I think so, It's only if there's extensive damage that's irreparable that they don't. Right. Okay, so uh, two things that make cryonics interesting to me personally. Well, not that make cryonics interesting. Two things that are interesting about cryonicists. The first is that generally we don't consider ourselves dead dead when we're preserved. And so (laughs) this came up a few times when I was with my crazy fundamentalist wife. If someone were to yank my body out of the uh, liquid nitrogen tank and let it rot, I consider that murder. I agree. I don't. The the technology there, or excuse me, not not the technology, the terminology there agrees with you as well. They they don't say you're dead. They say you're a patient. Yes. And I, and I prefer that, not just because I'm a fan of wordplay. I'm not really, but because it's more accurate in this case. I understand why you why you prefer that, and I understand why you would think of it as murder. But uh, the way that I see it is I'm going to be dead, and I'm probably going to stay dead in, unless I totally luck out. And and it turns out that I don't have to stay dead. The way I I see it is I am on my way to a hospital in the future, and I probably (laughs) won't make it there. But if somebody stops the ambulance and makes sure that I die, even though I probably wouldn't have made it there anyway, fuck them, they're a murderer. And you paid for the trip. Well, and I paid for the trip, too. But I'm, I'm more concerned about the ethical, you know... Ramifications of being murdered is a lot like it's. A lot <laughs> I don't like, care about the money. I care about not dying. It's a lot like in your living will. You can say, "Do your best to keep me alive," and somebody's like, "No, we're not even going to try CPR." Like that sounds like if 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 pulling someone out of a crowd tank isn't isn't murder, then how is that? No, how many people have been murdered thusly, or in other words, taken out of of deep freeze? I think none. I mean. There you don't some... think anybody has been thawed because of a oh, business no. failure? They have been thawed because of business failure. I mean, that literally has happened, but, but that... that wasn't because someone was pulling them out. Because I, I was personally threatened with this, like, oh no, I love you too much. I would pull you out of there, and I was like, you will literally be murdering me. Get your hands off. Uh, th- I, I consider it different when a business fails. That would be like the ambulance getting a flat tire or something. Mm. That's not something okay. that someone did to kill me. But among things that you can expect are 
or expect, uh, reasonably expect to happen are the business failing and you getting thawed out or somebody, I don't know, showing up and pulling you out of, out of deep freeze because they have a religious conviction or, or blowing up the facility or something. Up, yeah, exactly. Right. The first one I would not consider murder. The second two I would. Okay. Well, right. Just like very subjective. Well, just, 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 just to torture your analogy of, of on an, on an ambulance ride, if the ambulance had some, if the, if the vehicle itself had some sort of a huge failure on the way to the hospital, that's not, they didn't, they didn't mean to kill you. They right. just died in the back. They were doing their best. Uh, that said, I think that the business failure is something that, you know, obviously you need to put into your, your calculus of whether or not you want to do this, but it's, it's less likely, I think, well, actually I'm not a future, I'm not a, a forecast economist, but there was a CI business that, or a cryonics business that went under. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that current ones are taking steps to make that not happen. Yes. That's one of the reasons it's more expensive than it used to be. Right. The charity cases. I suppose, I suppose that could be in some cases considered negligent homicide, depending on how the business was run. But I don't know how the business was run. I haven't looked into it. Unfortunately, the law hasn't expanded to adequately uh, take cryonics into account. Yeah. That is something that also you guys need to consider about signing up is that some, I will go ahead and say bullshit law could make reviving you illegal or make not unplugging you illegal. Right. Uh, there, there's there's a number of ways that this could, there's a number of failure modes. But then, then exactly. So all the ways that you can think of is that, that might shut this down and make it not work. Just think of. What are the odds of that happening? Again, put that all into your, your calculus and weigh that against what are the odds of my surviving with all of those things and what are the odds of my surviving if I'm buried? Well, right. I, I think I think that's the appropriate way to look at it. I I sort of agree, but like anything that's a really truly minuscule percentage, I don't think is is worth thinking about. It's like what are your odds of winning the lotto if you don't buy a lotto ticket? Right. Fair well, enough. If it gets down that far, yeah. I completely. I I should have caveated. I I I personally, there are a number of people I know who think the percentages are in the single digits, sometimes even in the du- low double digits, and that for me is totally worth the money. So yeah, I think Robin Hanson single uh, digit percentage. I think Robin Hanson said five percent. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. But so, what if what if it's not five? Well, what if you're a little bit more pessimistic and it is point five percent? It's probably still worth it. Exactly, it me, and yeah. use your own best judgment on how low you're willing to go. Hanson's calculus was pretty uh, conservative and pretty pessimistic. I think I went through it, and I, I would have given much higher values to a couple of the things that he put really low probability on. But he's the he's the the, the literally professor in this field so that said is a one in 20 chance worth 10 bucks a month slash a life insurance policy is a one in 200 chance worth it that's that's your value call but for a lot of people it is the other thing that i um find interesting about this whole movement is that all of a sudden euthanasia becomes a lot more important Mm -hmm. because my nightmare scenario is getting alzheimer's and then not being able to do anything about it while my brain slowly dies Mm -hmm. and I, I just I, I want the ability to be able to choose when I die before there has been a lot of damage so that I can be, you know, brought back in a society that has cured Alzheimer's. Absolutely. And um, that makes the right to die movement and the dying with dignity movement so much more important. I mean, I always was on those the, the side of being able to choose when you die, but it just became much more pressing after that. So is there anything we want to cover? Because it kind of feels like just dropping it at this point is not the best way. We need some kind of ramp out. Katrina's ready to go. I have to go. Okay, so uh, we are about out of time, and I just wanted to end with these these quotes that came uh, that are actually on the "Wait But Why Cryonic Why Cryonics Makes Sense" article. These are quotes that he says cryonicists never waste an opportunity to point them out. But whenever people say things like cryonics is so way out there, it'll never happen. You're ridiculous. We, we will never have this sort of tech. We like to quote this at them in return. <clears throat> there is no hope for the fanciful idea of reaching the moon because of insurmountable barriers to escaping the Earth's gravity. Dr. Forrest Ray Moulton, University of Chicago astronomer, 1932. All this writing about space travel is utter bilge. Sir Richard Woolley, Astronomer Royal of Britain, 1956. <laughs> we were well on our way in space. To, pl- to place a man in a multi-stage rocket and project him into the controlling gravitational field of the moon, I am bold enough to say that such a man-made voyage will never occur regardless of all future advances. Dr. Lee DeForest, Famous Engineer, 1957. So that's something that I like about this sort of thing is that 
just in the in the face of all of the well, it sounds like science fiction mumbo jumbo. It's not science fiction. It's science fiction in the same way that a colony on Mars is science fiction. Is that it's science fiction and not science fantasy. Right. It's not Star Trek. It's it's there's zero reason why. There's no reason it couldn't happen. There's no reason why without enough effort and scientific progress we couldn't colonize Mars. By that same vein, there's there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to go through and revive cryonics patients. Alrighty. That was our cryonics episode. The only thing I'll add is that do check out this weight or this why cryonics makes sense on weightbutwhy.com. It is it, an amazing resource. It really is. And even if you even if you listen to this and still feel like it's bullshit, then I kind of more strongly encourage you to read it. If this is enough and you're ready to sign up, go for it. Call Rudy or call your life insurance agent and get set up. I don't think this podcast is enough to make people want to sign up, but hopefully it's enough to make them read the article. And or, the article presents much better laid out case. And if you're looking for a more succinct version, just for a quick answer to a question that we didn't give, either message us on the subreddit, email, or the uh, website, or check out the link in the episode description on the website, on a link to the frequently asked questions on the Chronics Institute's website. And that's thebayesianconspiracy.com. Yep. All right. See you in two weeks. Thanks. Thanks.